0: Well, this is Straight Talk, and as part of our election special, we are talking to the leaders, and we're very honoured tonight to have David Seymour with us, leader of the ACT Party. David, welcome. We really appreciate your time because we know it's an incredibly busy time for you. Uh, And so we'll just get straight into it. The panellists have got some questions. Some of the missing panellists have sent through their questions. Uh, So Dr. Michael Reid is going to kick off with the first question. Yes, uh, good evening, David. Um, David ACT is a party based on libertarian values, uh, which favour freedom of choice and expression, but these can be at odds with conservative and faith-based values, for example, the euthanasia legislation and the liberalising of abortion. So why should people with these values vote for ACT?
1: I think it's out of respect for tolerance and choice. Uh, Of course, you know, we expect religious tolerance, even though A lot of faith-based values are at odds with other people's beliefs um we wouldn't ask well you know why should people have those beliefs if not everyone accepts them Uh, we would say actually we think that everybody should be able to have uh, their own way of life so long as it does not harm others they should be allowed to do so and they shouldn't recruit the government uh, to try and enforce their version of faith or spirituality on others so for example Um, While you may disagree with assisted dying, uh, it's quite another thing to have the state uh, enlisted to try and prevent other people from doing it. Similarly, uh, you may be opposed to abortion, but it's quite another thing to ask the state uh, to basically chase pregnant women uh, and force them to take pregnancies to term against their will uh, when they might not otherwise do so. So really, it's a question not of, of values. It's a question of what you think the role of government is. My view is that people of faith uh, are far better at trying to persuade others rather than force upon others uh, their views because once you go down that latter track, you actually attack the very tolerance uh, that is required for all of us to practice our faith and beliefs.
0: David, you've talked about wanting to expand the criteria for euthanasia which you mentioned there. How far do you want to expand the criteria? I mean, overseas it can include children, disabilities. Canada is moving towards mental illness, qualifying from next year, people sick of living, how far does that expansion go?
1: Um, well, I'm not going to get into an argument about your mischaracterisation of, of overseas law, but what I will say oh, is that I...
0: mischaracterisation was there? I mean, that is the case, isn't
1: it? The, the idea that you can have assisted dying because you're tired of living, I mean, that, that's not legal in any country, um, but in any event... Uh, I believe that the assisted dying bill that I introduced to Parliament in 2015 uh, was the correct one. It allowed a person with a grievous and irremediable medical condition in an advanced state of decline in capability such as somebody with motor neuron disease. Uh, it allowed such a person to access assisted dying even if their life was not terminal within six months, and those people, uh, should have the right to choose, just as with someone who has a six-month prognosis. I'm talking about people with Huntington's, I'm talking about people with mostly quite rare disorders uh, that will end their life, but perhaps not have, until they have many more years of suffering they would prefer to avoid. Um, so I would like the bill to be uh, returned to its original form, um, not the version that was eventually passed, which involved compromises largely to get the Green Party on side.
0: So, would you just list certain disabilities, not all disabilities or all conditions?
1: Oh, well, well, with respect, Bob, um, a disability does not qualify you to access assisted dying. That is totally untrue. Well, if, you're, if
0: you don't take treatment, you could be terminal. Some disabled—that's why disability disabled people are scared of the bill, aren't they?
1: Um, well, again, because their that's condition untrue. is terminal. Uh, that's, well, that's untrue. Once again, you have to be in an advanced state of irreversible decline in physical capability. Now, a person who, who has a disability, they may have declined at some part, point in the past, um, but they are not in a state of decline because they live with a disability. So again, you, you know, I, I think it's a really instructive that people who are opposed to the bill for the most part have been very quiet for the last 2 years because people can see that they spread misinformation i'm really <laughs> no, disappointed we haven't been quiet the, that's for sure well, no one's heard you i'm really disappointed to to see that you are still saying things that are untrue uh, when there are you know legitimate arguments if you disagree with it on a spiritual basis you should say that but you shouldn't try and say things that are untrue that is for one thing unchristian
0: well, I think most people disagree because of the vulnerability of uh, people who are sick and towards the uh, perhaps the end stage of their life or having difficulty. But are you saying to me that you would never consider uh, mental illness um, as a qualifier? I'm sorry, that the
1: legislation explicitly excludes people with a mental condition it says that you must be in an advanced state of decline in physical capability. You know, Bob, I'm happy to have a debate. But it currently excludes terminal.
0: People who aren't terminal, doesn't it? You're saying you want to bring back in terminal.
1: Well, I mean, I believe that it should say what it said uh, initially, and that is that you should be in an advanced state of irreversible decline in physical capability, that it should not include a purely mental condition um you know that's what i've explained in my opening answer um and now you're you know trying to no no that's fine about about not only the contents of the bill but also um, my position on it
0: no no, that's fine that's a yes to my uh, question which is great Arte, your question
2: um thank you uh david are you wanting to remove the charitable status of churches and if so Why and which ones? Because churches and Christian organisations have built up New Zealand society for generations through the generous donations of their members and hours of voluntary uh, work.
1: So it depends what your activity is. Um, Charitable activity should be tax deductible. um, And to the extent that churches are involved in charitable activity, they should find that that activity is tax deductible. Um, But if you are running what is really a business and claiming that it is a charity, then I I think you should pay tax on your business activities and then transfer money to the charitable arm of your organization. So Mission Estate's an example, Sanitarium's an example. I don't want to pick on those ones. uh, You you ask for examples. Um, But there's also a number of churches that you could argue um, are a lot more like a business than a charity that actively helps people day to day. And if they want to claim a tax credit, then they should have a charitable organisation that practically helps people and has charitable purpose, and claims the uh, money back. Uh, and they should have a business side uh, which pay, pay, pays tax like anyone else doing similar activities. Simply about fairness that you pay the same tax based on the same activity.
2: So, uh, David, is there which ones are you talking about?
1: I'm sorry, I, I'm not quite following the question.
2: No, you're talking about, uh, you know, taxing, removing their charitable status. So which churches and Christian organization are you talking about?
1: Oh, well, I've given you two examples. I mean, sanitarium would be one, mission Mission estate would be another that people have raised over the years. Okay.
2: So it would be very interesting, it's, uh, you know, the amount of work that's going to go into that Um
0: Interesting, thank you. Yeah. I mean, if they're in business, David, and the money still goes into the charitable work, as it does with Sanitarium because it goes to Seventh-day Adventist, um, you know, for example, a Trust are another one who seem to be doing very well business-wise, and they're a charity. So, uh, you know, does that mean that ch- you're saying churches can't make a profit or can they invest in capital investment Uh, it's difficult to draw a line, isn't it, on on a church or charity being in business? Uh, Well, not really.
1: I mean, if you're running a business, then you're running a business and paying tax. If you then want to transfer money to a charitable wing that that does charitable work, then you you can transfer that money. Um, However, that doesn't mean that you can recycle capital within one organisation that has a dual purpose. Um, that, that is unfair. When it comes to out, I, I think the Charities Commission is finally dealing to them and um, mm. not before time, in my humble opinion.
0: Okay, um, I have to ask this one because I've got a vested interest. Do you think Family First should have been deregistered?
1: Um, look, I'm not familiar with the case. I, I think no. that there is a real question mm. around um, the role of tax deductibility and political activism in New Zealand. Certainly, I look at Greenpeace. Um, should they be able to have a tax deduction for um, the, the political advocacy work that they do? I guess it's a question, do you think that political advocacy is a form of charity? Um, depending on, in other countries it certainly is is seen that way and you can get a tax deduction for a think tank, for example. Hmm. Um, you, can, you can argue it both ways. I mean, political parties uh, pay tax. Um, You could argue that perhaps political parties uh, should also be tax exempt. I don't really have a a strong view on what the philosophy is. I just know that if you look like a business, walk like a business, uh, then you should pay tax like a business. And if you have a charitable cause, sure, set up a sexual organisation and give them the money.
0: Okay, you've made a decision to target a national seat, the seat of Tamaki. Um, Interestingly, the current MP is one of the champions for free speech within the National Party. But have you just gone after him because he's pro-life and anti-euthanasia? Because why not have Brooke stand in something like Auckland Central, for example, that doesn't involve splitting the vote?
1: Well, um, let me just answer you know, three ways there. First of all, um, there's no such thing as a national seat. Uh, Epsom's not an ACT seat. It belongs to the voters. Uh, it's their choice. Uh, it was gifted by national there. to you, though, wasn't it? Uh, Well, that's also untrue. I I, I can't believe how one person can get so much wrong. Um, (laughs) So, National has done no
0: favours for you in Epsom?
1: No, Act One at Fair and Square. So, again, National's done no favours. No, they haven't. Frankly, you know, I find it that you can lie and then laugh at at destroying truth. I, I actually don't know what the point of continuing the interview is.
0: Well let's continue let's find a better question although could we just ask why are you targeting Tamaki is it because well, of I, the anti abortion I, mean,
1: I mean do you do you actually would you actually like to continue this interview on the basis of good faith and truth uh, because otherwise I'm you know I, I mean you've you've put out so much misinformation about how the end of life choice act works uh, how it works in other com- how similar acts work in other countries about the history of seats, I mean, you, you know this. So, are you, are you going to commit to to being committed to truth or or not?
0: Always committed to truth. So, why are you targeting Tamaki?
1: Well, basically, well, hang on a second. I mean, are you? Are you, you so, you are committed to having a truthful exchange and discussion. <laughs> yeah, of course. You are. All right. Well, David, well, I want I'll to ask you. you. Well, assume you mean. I am assume you're saying yes. Um, the, the second issue. The second issue is people have asked uh, endlessly, uh, "Will you stand someone in Tamaki? The guy that we have there, we never hear from him. When we do hear from him, what he says is disgraceful. It is just embarrassing to our electorate. Um, so, you know, that's the second issue. Um, and the third issue is that you know actor National in that seat are polling over seventy percent. Um, so mathematically, even if they split thirty five thirty five um and there's no there's only one other candidate that third candidate's gonna get thirty and come third so um you know the seat will be won by act or national, and based on everything we're hearing and the polling we're doing, uh, I suspect it will be act
0: how do you know he hasn't been present in the electorate
1: um because that is the in the opinion you. of people. Okay. Who, well, actually, it's Michael. not somebody, it's, it's, pers- it's person after person uh, mm-hmm. saying when are you going to stand someone in Tāmaki and when you get that sort of feedback, you think maybe we should stand someone there. Okay, Michael.
0: Yeah, um, moving along, David. <laughs> the ideology of diversity, inclusion and equity underpins much of New Zealand's legislation, for example, co-governance, conversion practices, prohibita- uh, prohibition legislation act, Do you think that uh, diversity, inclusion and equity is essentially destructive or helpful or perhaps even just
1: irrelevant? Um, Look, I think what's important is that we get back to our common humanity. You you know, there's so much focusing on people's superficial differences. Um, There's not enough focus on people's actual common common, uh, features, you know, what actually unites us. Um, and that is, you know, we, we are actually all people who have 99.9% the same DNA. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys um, believe in, in DNA, but that's, that's common to all people. Um, and um, I believe that, you know, we've got to start focusing on what unites us rather than, than what divides us. And a lot of this D and i you know, is fundamentally focused on trying to categorize people by superficial characteristics. Oh, I'm just opposed to that. Thank you.
0: David, you supported the law, the conversion therapy law. It was voted for unanimously by ACT. It's a law that criminalises parents who may affirm their daughters as girls and their sons as boys and who refuse to allow them to go on puberty blockers. In fact, ACT MP Nic- Nic- Nicola, uh, Nicole McKee sorry, raised really good concerns around the role and protection of good parents who might reject gender ideology. So I'm just interested to know why did... Act still support the law that puts parents at risk?
1: I think, again, it's, you know, here we go again, it's another mischaracterization. Um, at the end of the day, you know, what I looked at was, are there people who in the modern era are carrying out just really grotesque, you know, the kind of stuff that I hope you wouldn't support, but at this point I wouldn't be surprised, you know, pray the gay away, tell people that they Bad people, and that they can be fixed for their homosexuality. So you know, at the end of the day, yes, there's always a possibility that any uh, law would be misused. But you know, when I look at that kind of activity, I just think it's it's time to um, ensure uh, that there's actually some protection against that sort of activity. Okay,
0: but the law prevents people getting counselling that they personally want, for for example, unwanted. Gender ideology, gender dysphoria. That seems to go against a libertarian principle, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure that it does, to be honest. I, I think, you know, again, I can see where you're going, but uh, the law doesn't prevent somebody from getting uh, counselling that they want. It, pre- it prevents the, the kind of wacky stuff which, unfortunately, people are still subject to. And I, I started out very skeptical about this law. Um, And then I looked at some of the recent cases, like within the last few years, of the kind of outfits that have taken kids and, you know, tried to tell them that being gay is a a disease and that, you know, with the right treatment, they can be made natural again. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised you're not more concerned about that than some sort of hypothetical abuse of the law for which there's no evidence.
0: So how many complaints have actually been made since the law was passed?
1: Well, if I look at the cases that were the justification for the law, um, I suspect that there will have been a few. But in any events, uh, just because a law hasn't attracted complaints doesn't mean you shouldn't have it.
0: Yeah, well, there's been none. I tell you, have you got a question?
2: Yeah, um, David, I'm not sure whether you're aware that uh, you know outfits overseas in Europe, uh, you know, I'm banning these uh, injection hormone. Uh, uh, puberty blockers because of the evidence of bone, you know, um, problem with the you know weakening of the bones of these kids. Uh, I'm not sure whether you're aware of that, uh, but you know, it's not just you know what you're claiming that it's wacky stuff. This is scientific evidence of the destruction that is happening to these children. So I'm not sure whether you're oh, yeah. aware of that. And that, um, yeah. yeah, maybe well, I can yeah, send yeah. You some of the yeah. for you to consider. You're
1: now, you're, now about, you're now talking about a completely different issue. What is wacky is some of the pray the gay away uh, retreats and camps where um, people have been, you know, just predated on by absolute crazies that that somehow, um, you know, the the likes of Family First don't seem concerned about. I think you should be. Um, the second issue. That's misinformation,
0: is, there, David. Don't don't accuse others of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so are you saying that you, you are concerned about some of these wacky Pray the Gay Away camps that have occurred Against just Against all recently coercive,
0: abusive counselling, none of that should happen. But what this bill does, so it, so it locks con- people you into concerned. transgenderism.
1: So you, you are concerned about these Pray the Gay Away camps? Abusive, of, co- coercive
0: counselling. Everybody was, everybody are, acknowledged you are, that.
1: Con- you are concerned about that. Um, are you? When I just told you she, we're against
0: abusive, coercive counselling, but mm-hmm. people should have the right to determine the way they want to live their life and seek counselling mm-hmm. for that. But you've, you've voted mm-hmm. to criminalise that, to criminalise people who want to uh, seek well, counselling. Uh, we,
1: we, really, we really haven't, um, but in any event, I'm pleased well, to hear have. that you, even though it took a while, we, we got you to express concern for some of the other things that have been going on too. We well, um, obviously don't um, know what the law says. Try and answer Eti's question. Okay. Um, Ate. Ate, The simple issue is that, um, you know, what's going on with some of these injections, puberty blockers? I I think they're introduced to kids at far too younger an age. um, And I actually think that, you know, we need to be asking ourselves who gets to make these medical decisions at, at what age. Uh, A lot more closely because people are being asked to make irreversible decisions at an age I don't think they're capable of. And I think uh, there'll be a future time when we'll look back at some of this stuff Um, a little bit like we look at, you know, some of the old fashioned views today and say, God, did we really, you know, have a time when people were that exclusive? Uh, or that intolerance or believe that people almost had to be chopped into one box if they didn't put in the right one. Um, and, you know, had it done surgically and chemically, that, that, that I think people will see as being wrong in future. You uh, were supposed to be, what, I think 20 minutes and uh, I've got someone calling at 5.30. So I'm going to have to love you. And thank you but, David, um, really
0: appreciate your time you and all the best for the campaign.
1: Thank you, yeah, David. I'm just sorry that um, so much of what you said wasn't true. It made for a much less present, pleasant discussion. Seemed to go both
0: ways, David. Bye. All the best for the campaign. Really, Thanks for your time. It Appreciate really, it. Thank
1: it. really did.
2: you. Cheers. See you later. Bye.